Do you have allergies? Are you taking any of those over-the-counter medications as needed, maybe wondering why they just don't seem to work? What else can you do to avoid having allergy problems during this very prone-to-stifling season? Dr. Matt Lau from Kaiser Permanente is in the studio, born and raised here in the islands. And if you've got some trouble with sniffling, well, and you don't know what to do, we've got some answers for you today. There's some unique things right here in the islands, VOG being one of them, that certainly can make people feel as though they're extra sensitive to what's going on in the environment. We'll be taking your calls at 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Lau, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to have you here. Now, tell me, is it is there an allergy season? I mean, is it allergy time right now? Is the blooming and all of the molds and everything else from all the rain, is this when people are having troubles? You know, on the mainland, when there's such defined seasons, uh, during the winter time, you'll have a big drop, of course, in the in the pollen. But in Hawaii, we're blessed with a year-round growing season, so it's variable uh, for Hawaii and the tropics. And we've got a variety, of, an abundance of different allergens that uh, that come up different times. It's more sporadic and some environmental factors as well. So people who say my allergies only bother me, you know, during certain times of the year, it could just be a plant that's blooming, mock orange season, mango season, or something along those lines. But for most folks, if you've got pollen allergies, something's always blooming, you're going to have something pretty much almost all year round. It it may vary on what kind of pollen you're allergic to. So there may be different a, a rhythm to it or certain times of the year, whether you're allergic to something, different things that are blooming all the way throughout the year is variable. So it really depends. It depends. Is it worth it to know what you're allergic to? I mean, sometimes, you know, people say, oh, I just take a Claritin every day and I feel fine. And you say, what are you allergic to? And they go, I don't know, just air. Is it worth it to know? You know, I, I, I put it this way to my patients. If the symptoms are bothering you enough that you're taking medications, especially regularly, more than half the days a week, uh, I think you start getting into that realm where it's it's encroaching. If it's encroaching on your lifestyle, on your job, on your performance, then it's worth knowing. It's worth knowing. Now, some people say I just take allergy medicine as needed, and I often find that kind of ironic because allergy medication almost uh, it, it usually prevents you from having an allergy, but it doesn't necessarily treat the allergic reaction you're already in the midst of. So, you know, if you just exposed yourself to something you're allergic to, and then you take your Claritin, it's not going to be as effective as if you took it beforehand. Can you use the standard allergy medicines as needed? You know, it, <clears throat> Kathy, it, it, I would go back to really understanding how allergies get triggered. So if you're exposed to, let's say, a, a cat allergen. Oh, now you- <laughs> I love my cats. I'm not making them go anywhere. They're living in my house. I'm not making them depart. But let's pretend that I might be allergic to a cat. So meow, the cat comes, and I pet the cat and scratch the cat, and how cute. (laughs) I'm lowering my blood pressure, and then what happens? Well, you're going to probably inhale or contact in your respiratory tract the cat allergen. Now, when it does that, your immune system, mast cells in your immune system, are going to react and release chemicals like histamine 
that will cause symptoms that you don't like. The sneezing, the running the runny nose, the itchy, watery eyes. Yeah, I may not like them. I probably scare the cat if I start sneezing and the cat runs away. So these mast cells, these cells of the immune system, they release this histamine, thus the term antihistamines. And so what happens when the histamines, I mean, dare I say the cat's out of the bag, right? So the histamines get released in the bloodstream, and then you get all these symptoms, the sniffly, sneezy, watery stuff. Right. So taking antihistamines at that part can give some benefit. You're correct in that there may be some additional benefit by taking it ahead of time if you know you're going to be exposed to something. But certainly antihistamines can give clear benefit even after symptoms begin. The nice thing is that oftentimes they can start within one to two hours, so it can be used on an as-needed basis. They don't require days of use to build up into the bloodstream. What about if you have an allergy to something in the environment. If you can predict mock orange season, you know you're going to be around mock oranges or you're going to smell the blossoms or something's going to happen. Is it the same process? Are we talking mast cells and histamines again? Yes. It's it's pretty much the this IgE-mediated system that includes mast cells and incorporates these allergic antibodies in the IgE system or allergic antibody system. So it's a a very similar mechanism, what's going on, whether it's the eyes, the nose, the lungs, or the skin. So in that situation, if you know that there's a tree that's going to bloom in three weeks because you know the season, you know what tree it is, you know you're allergic to that, you could proactively start taking an allergy medicine before it blooms and potentially during its blooming season and reduce your symptoms. Uh, I think that's a reasonable strategy. Sometimes it's effective. When it's not, there are other medications besides what's over-the-counter available uh, that can be even more effective, some of which can actually inhibit the release of antihistamines. So we're talking about things that will be even more preventative. Now, let's talk for a sec about the IgE because that's something that sometimes people will go and say, I want to see an allergist, I want to do allergy testing, but I'm taking a medicine right now. Do I have to stop it? And there are some blood tests that look at IgE-mediated allergy reactions. So if we talk about wanting to know what you're allergic to, If you say, okay, it's affecting my life, I need to figure out what I'm having these symptoms from, do you have to stop your medicine before you actually see the doctor to do the testing? Yeah, so there are two methods, as you alluded to, that you can figure out what you're allergic to. One is allergy skin tests, where you prick the skin, and in 15 minutes, it can show a wheel and flare, like a mosquito bite looking lump, it feels itchy. But in cases where the person's unable or having a difficult time stopping these allergy meds that block the skin test, we can do blood tests that can measure specific allergic antibodies to an individual allergen, be it uh, even a food allergen or an inhalant allergen like dust mites. And those usually go to a lab, and and the turnaround time is somewhere in the ballpark of 10 days, So it's your traditional blood test. You would go, they would take some blood from your arm or somewhere, and then they would send it to a lab. So if you need to see an allergist, you can take allergy medication, and they can do a blood test for your allergies if you can't go without it. If you could stop it for, how long would you have to stop it if you were going to do the skin testing? 
four days, five days is reasonable. Three days you could even get away with depending on so what So it's not like four weeks. No, absolutely not. But so there are ca- people that even in that short period of time, it's difficult for them. They would suffer too much. And in that case, yes, we would go with a blood test. You can do a blood test. Okay. So it's worth it to figure out what you're allergic to. Now, you also mentioned that there are some things you can do to help the symptoms. It doesn't have to be over-the-counter medication. If you were just a standard person saying, I think I'm allergic to, and I won't use cats because I love them. Um, How about dust mites? Yeah, I don't like those. So <laughs> let's say I think I'm allergic to dust mites. And uh, let's let's say that you say, I think I'm, I'm allergic to this. Is it reasonable to just say, I'm going to try some over-the-counter medicine, see if it works? If it works, this is probably an allergy. If it doesn't work, then this may not be an allergy, or maybe I'm heading down the wrong path. Is like your own little personal trial worth it? You know, that's a really good point. And over the phone, I try to tell my patients or talk with them, if the symptoms are mild enough and very responsive to antihistamines, that's a really strong indicator you are dealing with allergies. If it's not responsive and you're not getting relief, there's a couple of possibilities like you alluded to. One is that the severity of your condition, albeit allergic, is overpowering the meds. Two you could have a nasal condition and sinus problems which are not allergy and therefore allergy meds are probably the wrong therapy. So like non-allergic rhinitis, the runny nose, not from an allergy, and taking standard allergy pills aren't going to work. Right. That's a, that's a strong indicator. The other big indicator that it might be a non-allergic condition is when you think of allergies, it tends to be a genetic condition that runs in families. You'll notice probably that your parents or siblings may have nasal allergies, let's say, that would indicate that it's more likely to be allergic rhinitis or hay fever, and the fact that if it starts fairly early in life. So the later in life someone reports it, like starting past your 30s or in your 40s or later, that's probably a strong indicator that your condition may be of a different reason than allergies. So if you've always been able to be around your dust mites or your cat or your dog or the flowers that you love. And then all of a sudden, maybe in your 30s or 40s, when I'd like to say you're still young, Dr. Lau, you're still young at those ages, um, then, you know, it might not be an allergy. You might not have acquired or grown into an allergy. It could be something totally different. There's a ver- Exactly, Kathy. There's a variety of conditions. Vasomotor rhinitis, a kind of a complicated name, is really the condition people get in adult years where they have an irritable, non-allergic nose. The difference between that and allergies is the mechanism is different, and vasomotor rhinitis, which is more non-allergic, doesn't have much itching. So a lot of itching with your symptoms early in life points towards allergies, very little or no itching, more mid or later life points towards a non-allergic mechanism. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau from Kaiser Permanente, and we are talking about allergies. And we're talking about, you know, things that might be out there that you might not realize could be causing you to have some symptoms. And also, what about symptoms that could be non-allergic? Are you taking those over-the-counter antihistamines without really getting a benefit. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Lau, when we talk about 
allergies. And you mentioned that there are some medications that could be given that are not over the counter that might actually help treat some of the symptoms. Are we talking nasal sprays? What are some of the things that could help people if they are allergic to dust mites and they can't avoid them because, you know, they live in a house and there's dust? What are some of the other medicines that you could use? Right off the bat, one of the first-line medications when over-the-counter options aren't working well are nasal sprays that are in the steroid or corticosteroid class. That sounds scary for lots of people. It turns out, because it's topical, because it doesn't really absorb into the bloodstream much at all, less than 1% of it gets into the bloodstream, when you spray in the nose of what's available as a prescription, it's very, very safe and more effective than the over-the-counter meds oftentimes. Well, and some of the over-the-counter nasal medicines are kind of scary. Last week, we were talking with uh, with an ear, nose, and throat specialist, and Afrin. Somebody called in and talked about Afrin, and he said, you know, you got to be really careful with that because you could wind up becoming somewhat dependent on that Afrin spray that actually could be dangerous, much more dangerous than a nasal steroid spray you'd get prescribed like a Flonase or a Verimist or Omneris or Nasacort, Nasonex, all those different brands. They're actually probably safer than chronic use of, of Afrin. Well, I would, I would agree with that absolutely. And it just, I, you know, maybe dangerous is not the word I'd use, but it, it certainly is, would cause problems to be get hooked, so to speak, on that over-the-counter decongestant nasal sprays. So nasal steroid sprays, or intranasal steroids is another way to say it, are a, a time, they've been around for decades. They are time-tested and can be used in children as young as four years old. So they're pretty safe. I mean, if we can use it in a four-year-old, we could use it in a 40-year-old, we could use it in an 80-year-old. We're talking really darn safe there. Absolutely. Okay. Now, let's talk about dust mites because we're on that topic, and now I'm going to start to get itchy. Um, But when we think about it, if somebody didn't want to take medications and they were allergic to an environmental allergen in their house, like dust mites or cockroaches or something— is there, is there a way that they can alter their house to accommodate for that? I mean, if you're allergic to dust, maybe you shouldn't be the person dusting. Or maybe you should dust with a wet rag instead of a dry cloth so you don't just blow all the dust everywhere. What are some of the simple lifestyle things that people could consider if they're allergic to something in the environment that they live in? Well, Kathy, for what you're talking about is what we would term in my field as allergen avoidance or allergen controls. That is like the foundation of a house. So you want to do those absolute basic things to reduce your exposure to the trigger that's causing you symptoms. Washing your, if it's dust mite sensitivity that skin tests or blood tests could show you, then washing your linen uh, in hot water or a hot dryer every week can really wash out, reduce dust mite exposure. A mattress encasing around the pillows and mattress that trap the dust mites in there, removing Removing teddy bears, stuffed toys on the bed is another biggie for children especially. So really, first find out what you're allergic to, then take a look at your environment. If you're allergic to something that, you know, you're allowing to pile up in your, in your immediate environment, try and avoid it. Now, we're not going to avoid the cat because we love the cat or cats, if that's the case. But if you were allergic to an animal, could you be in a situation where, you know, the animal is part of the family, maybe... 
you pet the dog, but you wash your hands afterwards. You don't necessarily go roughhousing with the dog on the floor. I mean, even with an animal allergen, you could find a way to try and avoid some of that. It's difficult oftentimes when the animal's indoors, but understandably when the animal's a member of the family. Uh, and You know I'm stern about that one, right? You can tell. Okay. If they have to stay indoors, I think keeping it out of the bedroom, if possible, bathing the animal, the furry pet, once a week in warm soapy water might reduce some of the allergen exposure. And in those cases where the allergen is very light and floating in the air quite a bit, air filters uh, could be helpful at reducing the amount of allergen that's floating in the air triggering symptoms. So uh, an air filter, uh, uh, high-efficiency or HEPA air filter, could be of some benefit. Yeah, I always wondered because they you'll see them at various places. You know, it'll say, it's a HEPA filter and we'll filter out all these things. And boy, the box or the commercial makes it look like there's these huge particles in the air that are being filtered away. And if you've ever cleaned one of those filters, you're like, wow, all this stuff is in the air. I'm breathing it in. In some cases, it can actually be helpful. Yes, that's that's true. But it makes most sense for the allergens which float in the air a lot. Allergens which hang in the carpeting and linen like dust mites don't float in the air that much. So depending on which allergen you're sensitive to, that measure can make sense or not help that much. It depends on what you're allergic to. I would say probably seeing a specialist in in the field of allergy would help guide your efforts. So really, if you have the allergy symptoms, find out what you're allergic to. Your allergist can help you to make some decisions about some of these allergy avoidance issues and really help you to figure out how you could change the environment that you're in. In some cases, get rid of the carpeting, get a tile or wood floor, something that can really help you so you're not exposed to whatever this is all the time. And you might not need medication. That would be the ideal outcome. That's why we do allergen avoidance. But if you need medicine, things like nasal steroids, pretty darn safe. Absolutely. Don't be scared of them. Not at all. Be scared of Afrin. That's what I think. Be scared of Afrin. Don't be scared of nasal steroids. Now, and, and we'll, when we come back after the break, we'll talk a little bit about how long they take to work because it's not as immediate as some people may think. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau from Kaiser Permanente. We're talking about allergies. How can I get rid of those sniffles that seem to happen every weekend? Or maybe every time I go to work, I don't know, could I be allergic to work? Um, But when we come back, we're going to talk some more about allergies, and we're going to talk a little about food allergies. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Why wait until January 1st to make a New Year's resolution? This year, Hawaii Public Radio made an early resolution to kickstart the new year by gathering 100 gifts of support on the last two days of 2013. And together we can do it. Enthusiastic HBR volunteers were taking calls today and will be back in the studios tomorrow from 6 a.m. to noon to take year-end contributions at 941-3689 or give right now at hawaiipublicradio.org. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau from Kaiser Permanente. He is an allergy expert, and if you want to know... How come after I eat certain foods, I just feel like junk? Could I be allergic to it? Or if you wonder what the VOG is doing to your breathing and how that's affecting you, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We've got Jen on the line from Manoa. Jen, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Hi. What can we do for you? Well, you know, I have a friend, my friend, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, he's n- never been, I've known him his whole life, he's never been allergic to um, seafood. Then lately this year, uh, he can't eat shrimp. He tried eating his favorite salmon, and what happens is his throat gets a little, um, not really inflamed. It doesn't hurt, nothing hurts and nothing itches, but his throat feels like full and then his tongue feels a little full in his mouth also. And one doctor is advising him to just stay completely away from any seafood whatsoever. But another doctor is telling him, we'll have a little of the, you know, and see how you feel. But he's just afraid to, to eat it in case he gets sick. Well, and it's a great question, Jen, because you're hearing all this stuff about get your omega-3s, get your fresh, healthy salmon, and then here's this guy who wants so much to eat salmon and do something good, and Mm -hmm. he's getting all these symptoms. Now, one thing I want to make clear of, when he had it, he was able to breathe. Yes. Okay, because that's really important. If you ever, you know, if he can't breathe and and he's eating something that makes him not breathe, uh, yeah, don't do that. But, I mean, it's interesting. So he has kind of a mild reaction. Dr. Lau, what do you think? I mean, can you acquire a shellfish or fish allergy later in life? I don't know. Are we talking later, Jen? How old is your friend? Well, he just turned, in September, turned 56. So I'm thinking this is his nice body, right? Because every seven years we get a new body. Well, I think that has to do with, yeah, like cell turnover. And if you think about how your cells turn over, yeah. I mean, there is some thought to that, but there's parts of his body that are are not necessarily going to be different. His brain cells are not regenerating. Unfortunately, none of ours are. But I'm going to say, right, I'm going to say 56 is young because that makes me feel younger. So he's young. All right, Dr. Lau, what do you think? Can you acquire this sort of thing? Well, Jan, as I said before, usually a food allergy is going to start fairly young, I would say before age 30. After that, is it possible? I have seen cases that showed up after that age. However, I think you really, before you label it as a food allergy, I think this is the kind of person that doing allergy skin tests or blood tests to look at if there are, is allergic sensitivity to these foods makes absolute sense. Having said that, when adults are allergic to foods, when that does really occur, yes, yes. seafood, 
legumes like peanuts and yes. tree nuts, those are the foods. So you did mention the right kind of foods that adults get allergic to. This is worth looking at, worth evaluating. So I wouldn't recommend eating or trying the food. And even small amounts of a food allergen can cause problems. So it's safer to get evaluated first. And then depending on the results, let that take you where uh, where, um, where we would go, whether we want to challenge him with the food in the doctor's office, but not at home without supervision. Right, right. Okay, that's what we thought. That's what we thought was the most... Um, the smartest thing to do anyway. So, yeah. I mean, for an yeah. adult who enjoys, does he enjoy seafood? I, I presume yeah, he does. he loves it's, seafood. You know, that's what I like about my job because sometimes we can find out the person's not allergic to the food that they love to enjoy, mm-hmm. and it's a quality of life issue. Yes, so, that's true. You know, it, it, On the other hand, Jan, you don't want to challenge him because if he does have right. an allergy, the more he yes. gets exposed to it, the greater the reaction can be. And then you'll be practicing CPR. So let's really exactly. hope that doesn't happen. I'm thinking, you know, time to get him evaluated. Dr. Lau said there's blood tests and skin tests. There's ways to figure this out so that yes. you're not having to, to save his life, literally, and he can enjoy his fish. The other thing, Kathy, is that if it does turn out to be positive, not only avoiding the food is important, but he should have an epinephrine injector, self-injector yes. uh, available. Yes. That can be life-saving. Exactly. So, now, he doesn't have to wait to see an allergist to have that if you just want to have the insurance right now. Until he gets evaluated, he wants to carry an epinephrine injector. His primary doctor can get that for him. Okay. Yeah, All right, Jen. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much for the information. It's very uh, soothing. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, thanks so much for calling us. We do hope that your friend can enjoy his fish again. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau. If you've got a question about allergies, we might just have some advice. And you can give us a holler at 941-3689, toll free, neighbor islands, 877 941 3689. We've got Lucy from Manoa. Lucy, another Manoa friend. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Great. What can we do for you? Well, you know, one thing I haven't heard suggested, but that really worked for me, because um, I was one of these, these people with just, you know, just constant allergy symptoms, was we had a, um, a central vacuum installed in our house about 10, 12 years ago. And it used to be that Every time I or anyone would vacuum the house, I'd sneeze for about three days afterwards. And um, once we put the central vacuum, it's like 90% of my allergies disappeared. Now, I'm curious, Lucy, do you just, do you vacuum more now? I mean, you know, if I vacuumed and then I sneezed for three days, I'll be honest, I'd probably never vacuum, and that's just <laughs> not good. So with your central vacuum, do you find like you're, you're cleaning more? Is it motivating you to just go vacuum around the house? It sounds kind of no, cool. No, it doesn't. No? I, I don't think I vacuum anymore. I probably... You vacuum less? Vacuum anymore you can admit that. Yeah, and okay. We, we actually <laughs> have two dogs in the house now that we didn't have then. But, really? Um, we, it just, you know, it's just like everything that goes in that, that gets sucked up goes underneath the house into the big tank. And so I think it just, um, before it was recirculating a lot of the stuff into the air that might have been, you know, hiding under the couch. I'm curious, and is that where it goes? It goes to some big canister under your house? Yeah, yeah, or in your garage or something. You empty it about every four to six months, and you, and you have two filters, so you wash one, 
you know, you put the, the backup one in and you wash the other one and then put it in the next time. It's yeah, you don't you don't you don't deal with it very often. Like do you and, have um, one big cord or some something that expands and goes around your whole house? Um, you have little outlets put in. They look like sort of like electrical outlets and they can either be put in the floor or put in the wall or the baseboards and as um, you can see I don't have a central vacuum, but it sounds really good. Like you don't have to haul your vacuum up the stairs. You've got a little no. outlet right there. Yeah, so you just have kind of a shorter hose, and, and so you just plug it in and go as far as it reaches and then move to another plug. And um, I, I, I love mine so much that I one sister who also had a lot of allergies, she they had one put in their house, and same thing, it solved most of her problems, and another friend did the same. So I, I just, you know, I think that one that's, that's another method of just getting the stuff out of, out of your atmosphere. Dr. Lau, I see you shaking your head like, A, you've heard of central vacuums. Uh, clearly, I haven't. And B, this is a great idea. Yeah, Lucy, uh, I, I think that's a well-accepted me- measure of reducing allergen because when you think about the average vacuum cleaner, there's a lot of connecting points that there's leakage. So when you vacuum, let's say you're dust mite allergic, it tends to kick up the dust mites, one. Two, in the hose and most vacuum cleaners, it's not. there's a lot of leakage. So mm-hmm. that tends to spread around allergen around. So having a central vacuum cleaner that's efficient uh, can be helpful. It's it's not an option for everybody. No, you have to own your house and you have to you have to invest, you know have a house you can do it. But it's it certainly was in in our case it was money well spent. Well, and you got more family members. You have two dogs now too. Yes, yes, and and you know I can tell just by looking at them that they're they've got a lot of stuff coming out of their skin. So. All right. It's nice to have it. Good. Well, thanks for the suggestion. That's a really important one to bring up is that sometimes even getting some other type of vacuum system helps. So thanks a lot for calling us, Lucy. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And now I want, Dr. Lau, I want a central vacuum. Actually, I just want somebody to come vacuum my house. Let's just be honest here. I just want somebody else to do it. All right. We won't talk about that. I'll mention there are these. Oh, you're coming over to vacuum? There are these very, uh, very tight Vacuum cleaner products, Neely um, vacuum cleaners that are designed to to really trap allergens extremely well. So for those people who don't have the option of a central one, of a central, get, there are these special, okay. but they're they're more ex, they're more expensive. Okay, uh, so that there are those options. All right, vacuum more. Get somebody to vacuum. Get a better vacuum. I like it. Okay, we've got Joshua from Kapalama on the phone. Joshua, welcome to the Body Show. Thank you. I have a question. Uh, when it gets too cold or when I eat too spicy uh, uh, food, uh, my nose starts to run. Why is that? Okay, Josh, thanks for the question. So when it gets, I mean, cold temperature air or spicy foods, you're saying, makes the nose run, right? right? So it turns out that the mucus glands in the nose are controlled by involuntary nerves nerves that you in in your conscious mind you don't you don't really think about it but it can react to things like the 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 spiciness of the food or even temperature changes uh, to cause dripping or to cause the mucus glands to run so when it's spicy foods we call that gustatory meaning chewing rhinitis and um, that can trigger the nose. When it's temperature-related, that's kind of part of this vasomotor or non-allergic rhinitis condition that some people get. Uh, usually, they don't have the itching that allergic nose symptoms have, so it, there shouldn't be that much itching, is there? 
No, not really, just uh, dripping. Yeah. So that kind of situation, you could do a couple of things. For the cold air, uh, or like air conditioning you walk into and it runs, there are no sprays that are different than the allergy steroid type. There are some, it's... It, it can reduce just dripping. That's that's what they do. And whether it's allergic or not, it stops the dripping. So there are these prescription nose sprays that are designed to do that, ipotropium bromide being one of them. And for spicy foods, it, it, it might help that as well. Uh-huh. Are over-the-counter meant like, um, uh, what's that common one that people use? Uh, Don't tell me Afrin, Joshua. Yeah, is that going to be helpful? Or is there any cure for this kind of condition? Okay, so let's let's just uh, I'll answer the second question. So your question is, does this condition go away on its own? Let's say it's the vasomotor, cold temperature related spicy food sensitivity. I've never seen that condition just go away on its own. It tends to be chronic. There may be different severities. Uh, some people may be worse than others. I do I don't usually expect it to just go away on its own. Certainly not for for a long, long period of time. But there may be seasons of the year, of course, where the weather is not going to trigger it. So it's not like you may have symptoms throughout the year. Right. All right, Joshua, so there's no cure. And the the non-allergic rhinitis, uh, can that be um, stopped with uh, things like Claritin, for example? So the question of... It goes back to what the mechanism is. So if it's this nerve sensitivity, involuntary nerves controlling mucous glands and swelling, as in vasomotor or non-allergic rhinitis, usually it's not a histamine mechanism like allergy. And so we don't typically expect antihistamine pills, but there is an antihistamine prescription nose spray which can help that condition. Interestingly, so even though it's a pill, antihistamines may not work as well for that. Antihistamine nasal spray is called azelastine. It's a prescription that any physician can order. can be very helpful in treating it as needed. Okay, what was the name of that again? Azelastine. Yeah, I can't spell that Astelin. Astelin okay. is another Astelin. way. Yeah. I got that one. It comes as, there are brand versions of it and generic versions of it. Astelin, A-S-T-E-L-I-N. That's it's easier to, to look up. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for calling us, Joshua. You're just a popular guy, Dr. Lau. We've got another caller here from Maui. We've got Diane on the phone. Welcome to The Body Show, Diane. Aloha, and thank you very much, and thank you for this opportunity to speak to an expert. Great. We've got um, one. What can we do for you? figure out what's going on with me, but I, I, I seem to have what I call allergies, okay? Um, like when it rains and uh, when it rains... Then I start uh, getting all stuffed up, and sometimes I can't breathe. Or in in the evenings, uh, I seem to be allergic to evening air somehow, and it goes away after a while, after early evening. And then finally, I'm I always feel like I have some sort of you know my sinuses are stopped up, even though I can breathe, but they're stopped up with something that's uh, like thick and coats. My my nose, and at night it goes into my mouth, and I wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning with this this thick covering. Sometimes it's really thick, and uh, last week my lips stuck to my tooth and tore the skin. It was so thick and dry. Does that Diane, that sounds horrible. Does that mean anything, or is that just weirdness? 
Well, it's weirdness, but Dr. Lau, is it weirdness? We can explain. <laughs> no, uh, Diane, so one, you're, you're fortunate to live on Maui, a great island. So yeah. <laughs> the, um, I, I, I do want to, pre- Kathy, I do want to preface all my, my suggestions here is that's, you know, I, I haven't examined you or haven't examined your friend. So I, I, I do want to have a, a little bit of a disclaimer that, uh, you know, we'll should try, be Diane. We'll try. We'll, we'll see try. what we can do. So, in you know, let's say a patient gives me the kind of story you just told me. I would, yes. I would say that probably something like a temp. This this cool air in the evening, the change in temperature with rains, humidity changes, all those could fit a non-allergic or vasomotor rhinitis story, especially if this started you know, in the middle years of life or, or just the past few years. The thick mucus, that's still consistent with it. And if you're congested in the nose, unfortunately what that leads to is a lot of mouth breathing at night and you're gonna have a very lot of cotton mouth and dryness in the mouth, unfortunately, when you wake up first in the morning. So if you can treat the nasal symptoms and you can go back to nasal breathing probably the mouth will feel better because you won't be mouth breathing so much. Okay, actually I'm not I don't I don't think that I'm mouth breathing um generally. Well, the uh, the other thing that's important is I think you do want to make sure you probably should be if this is going on regularly, there are other yeah. conditions to think about and you should check with your physician, your primary doctor first and a specialist if need be, whether it's otolaryngology, ENT, or allergists, there are other things to, to be concerned about. It can be a, there can be medication side effects. There are some meds which cause a nasal congestion. There are, there are other things like nasal polyps that can lead to persistent nasal congestion that, that, that doesn't improve. So it, it's worth taking a look at if you, if you haven't had that already. Yeah, I haven't. I've not. Diane, it sounds like you're suffering like all the time when it gets rainy or when it's nighttime or you wake up with this weird lip tooth ow. So I don't know. I'm thinking that this is time to get this checked out because, you know, there might be something that we can do to help you. So I do hope that you talk with your doc and maybe figure out if there are some other alternatives to pursue so you don't have to feel like that anymore. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau. We are talking about allergies today and trying to help figure out what's going on out there and how can you make it easier for you to just breathe normally and not sneeze and sniffle. If you've got a question, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next New Letters on the Air, poet Mark Doty talks about the healing properties of the spoken word. A reading of poetry is an opportunity to make some kind of connection with another person. It is an antidote for the inevitable loneliness of the writer's life. Help Mark Doty fight that loneliness by listening to the next New Letters on the Air. Tuesday evening at 6.30. If you want to know more details about HPR's history and mission, or information on how to donate a car, rent the Atherton studio, or just want to send an email to someone on the staff, you'll find it all at hawaiipublicradio.org. Go to the link called About HPR and check out the pull-down menu. It's all there. The HPR website. It's just a click away. 
Aloha and welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Matt Lau from Kaiser Permanente. We are talking all things allergy. And if you've got some sniffles and troubles and you want to know what's going on, hey, you know what? We might have some suggestions. There's a lot of things that I've learned. Central vacuum cleaners is one of them. You can join our conda, our Talk today at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Lau, VOG, why? And why does it bother everyone so much? You know, the when I talk to patients about VOG, I, to make it understandable, I, I, I think of it this way. I think of it as it's a respiratory irritant from the volcanic, you know, fog. It it hurts eyes, the nose, the lungs. It is not an allergen in the sense that your immune system is going to make a, a reaction to it, but it does basically irritate your your airways and your eyes, mucous membranes. So from that point of view, it's not something we can measure or do allergy skin tests or blood tests for. Well, and it's kind of unique to the islands, too. I mean, there's not a whole lot of other places that can really say they've had this volcanic emission going on for a very long time and the air just blowing in. So it's not necessarily an allergen per se. It's an irritant. That, that's how I, 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 okay. would, I, I would characterize it. Well, we've got Gail on the line from Maui. Gail, you had a question about VOG. Uh, it's been driving you a little bit crazy as well. What can we do for you? Well, I just, my, my main question is, um, you know, what can I do about on a very voggy day when my eyes start watering and I'm blowing my nose and I'm sneezing? This has been the worst year, I think, for VOG, at least in, in the part of the island that I live in. Do you have any suggestions on what I can do to alleviate some of my symptoms that I keep getting? Great question, Gail. So... A couple things, just the practical matter is that whatever you can do to get away from it, so being in air conditioning, uh, uh, air conditioned rooms as much as possible. When you drive, you want to roll up your windows and, and use the car AC if possible so that if you. So, like the filters literally don't let the particulate matter from the VOG into the air you breathe. Yeah, so, if you're in weird. a room, you're breathing clear air, you're not breathing VOG air. Right. So that's one thing Gal can do. All right. And uh, I mean, some people even use a mask if they if they're really really sensitive. When we used to have a lot of fireworks, using having a mask to protect you to some degree. And I I sometimes will use nasal sprays, sometimes nasal steroids. For some of my patients, have helped reduce symptoms because it non specifically can reduce inflammation when symptoms are flaring. They've used this antihistamine nasal spray. That's another one. Whether antihistamines help or not as an oral that are over-the-counter is kind of hit and miss. Although the decongestants that come along with some antihistamines can at least help reduce the congestion symptom. Mm -hmm. But It it's, seems like over the years I've become way more sensitive to the VOG than I, than I have been in past years. Or maybe we've just had more VOG, Gail. I've got to say, the last couple of years, it seems like the VOG days have been worse than ever. Dr. Lau, yeah. you were born and raised here. What's going on? Do you remember this as a kid? Uh, I, I, I guess I, I would say that because I'm a physician, I see a lot more people complaining about it. It's, it's quite variable. From the papers I've seen, it tends to symptoms come on about... 48 hours after the emissions start increasing or coming our way. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have not seen numbers saying there's increased sensitivity per se to, to Vogue. I can tell you that in general, allergic disease in the Western world has been on the rise for the past several decades, and that has to do with a myriad of reasons. But specifically to Vogue, I wouldn't be able to say that there's an increased sensitivity. Do you think um, there's just literally more Vogue? I mean, it seems to me like Vogue is, is it's been around, but the eruptions have been going on since, what, the, the mid to late 80s. Is there just more Vogue? Could it not be an increased sensitivity, just more days of this nastiness? You know, no, that certainly could be. I mean, the amount of it uh, could make a big difference. I, I cannot say that I know what the exact levels have been and whether it's accumulative or, or that the levels are higher compared to 10 years ago. I think that's mm-hmm. something that we could look it up and, and check. There with might the, be somebody, you know, there might be somebody at UH doing. Yeah. I thought there was, Gail. I'd have to look that up. But I thought somebody was doing studies on, on the number of VOG days and the number of, the other thing they were looking at is the number of days of trade winds because the trade winds tend to blow some of the VOG out of the atmosphere. And one of the studies that I did see had to do with a decrease in the number of trade wind days that like 20 years ago, there were over 270 or so trade wind days. And then over the last decade or so, they've decreased to now about 200 trade wind days. So if we have less trade winds, we might have more stuff. And mm-hmm. it might be a, it might be a multifactorial combination of a couple of different things. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I know that it has a lot to do with the wind because where I live, I have a beautiful view of West Maui and Lanai. And this year, and this is the only time this has ever happened, there have been days where I not only can I not see Lanai, but I cannot see West Maui. Well, Gail, I almost wanted to come visit you till you said that. (laughs) You know, now that you can't see anything and you're getting all the vog, I think I'm staying home. All right. Well, we had a couple of suggestions. Some of these antihistamine nasal sprays, maybe a steroid spray, maybe a decongestant. I wish you luck, Gail. Let's hope the vog just goes away. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for calling us. So, you know, when we talk about these these environmental issues, fireworks. I mean, New Year's is coming up. Yes, there's a ban on fireworks on Oahu. That's not necessarily a ban on some of the outer islands. And even if you go to watch the fireworks and you love to see it, you might get exposed to some of the smoke and dust, etc. Should people who have lung disease wear a mask? That might be very, very helpful and wise. The other thing you want to do is if you're an asthmatic, let's say, and let's say you're on regular medications. Like watch it on TV. Yeah, you, you might want to avoid it and at least make sure you're taking your medications and that you haven't run out. I would probably recommend asthmatic to at least have their quick reliever or albuterol-type medication available for relief instead of running for it and they find out that it's either it's empty, empty or expired. expired. Exactly. Fell out of their bag. Who knows where it is? So if you take asthma medicine, hey, tomorrow night is New Year's Eve. Go check to make sure you have it because, you know, you might be able to get some tomorrow from your doctor, from your pharmacy before they all close. Better have it than than wish you did that night. Exactly. All right. We've got another caller. We've got Casey from Kahala. Welcome to The Body Show. Hi there. Hi there. I have a a comment, a little bit of amplification on on your comment about the trade winds, and I have a question also. I did read that study, and I, I heard some comment on it about the number, the decrease in the number of trade wind days, and the corollary of that is that there is an increase in the number of days where the wind comes from the southeast. 
And so that blows the, the particulate matter up along the whole island chain. Um, and it's quite a, quite a significant increase in the number of days. Yeah, I wish we had a big fan or something. Just blow it so on the, back. One way to, to find out about it uh, uh, in real time is to look on the National Weather Service forecast uh, uh, webpage. There is a place where you can click on that shows the direction of the wind. And if it does take, you know, 24 hours or something to, to get the... Uh, the sensitivity. If you look and you can see that the the wind is mostly from the southeast along the, this part of the islands, um, then you know that that we're in for. Even though we don't see, it doesn't say widespread haze, but there are plumes of it that come along, uh, that come and go. And if you're in the middle of a plume for an hour or two in a day, it's going to be irritant. So my question is, um, if you know that you're in for some fog, what about wearing you know what they call a SARS mask or some kind of mask to filter it out? Would that be helpful? Good question, Casey, and I'm glad that you got a website where you can check direction of the wind because you're right. If you want to be super smart, you can say, hey, I know it's coming. I'm going to take precautions. I'm either going to, you know, not go outside to exercise. I'll spend time indoors, air conditioned at the gym instead or kind of adjust what you're doing as a result. But it's a really good question. You know, Dr. Lau, Bog, mask, if you know it's coming and you can't stand it, helpful? Yeah, I I think that's worth a try. I mean, some of these... Mass are very sophisticated, like an N95 mass that's going to filter out particles to a, to a high degree. So I think that makes absolute sense. I've not actually seen a study where they took people who did and people who did compared to people who don't wear a mask to compare symptoms. But that's logical. It's a reasonable, you know, it's a reasonable do, move. Sure, you could do your own trial, Casey. You could say, I'm going to wear it and see if I feel better, and then someday I'm not going to, and see if I notice a difference. I mean, even if your subject number is only you, well, that's kind of what you're trying to get at is would it help you, and would you feel better, and anybody else out there could do the same. Well, I did get some masks from the from the hardware store, and they are the kinds that people use for sanding and painting and that kind of thing. But, you know, those masks, you can't really wear them for for two or three hours. They're They're kind of suffocating themselves, so... I wonder, maybe you know, I mean, my uh, friend who's a nurse said, uh, referred to a SARS mask, which is a little bit looser, but has folds that absorb a lot of, um, so I don't know if you if you know what, what masks are the best kind to use. Well, it sounds like the N95 mask. That's like a medical grade mask that you can wear that, that you can breathe in for hours at a time if you need to. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about that suffocation feeling. And you can probably talk to your doc to see if they can get one of those for you or if they can refer you to someplace where you could. Medical supply stores often have some of these devices available, and they also might have something that you can get. I don't think you would need a prescription, per se, for the mask, um, but certainly if you do that, you know, your regular doc could write you one. Um, But it's a great idea. I appreciate you giving us the information on National Weather Service and for giving us some tips on masks. Thanks for calling us. All right. Thank you. Dr. Lau, I've learned a lot about allergies. I've learned that I probably have them, although I'm in denial, and I'm not allergic to the cat. I've decided I'm not. Not at all. So so just to sort of encapsulate what we've been talking about, if you have symptoms that are bad enough that they bother you every day, it's worth it to get tested to figure out what you're allergic to. Once you find out what you're allergic to, it's worth it to maybe make some adjustments in your lifestyle, in your house, and what you do to try and accommodate for that. 
And if that doesn't work, you may want to consider some medicine. Now, the, the current over-the-counter medicines that we're fairly familiar with, Allegra, Fexofenidine, Claritin, Loretidine, or Zyrtec, Cetirizine, they used to all be prescription. They went over-the-counter a few years ago. So they are pretty safe to use. Do you ever foresee nasal steroids going over-the-counter? Well, it turns out that the FDA subcommittee is is recommending that uh, there is a nasal steroid that's likely to go over the counter sometime in 014. It's called uh, a nasocort AQ. Or so they're now going to sell it at like pharmacies, Longs, Walgreens, CVS, wherever. You could go there and buy it because yes. it's pretty safe. You said you could be four years old and use it. Right now. It's not like you can't have any side effects if you look at a lot of over-the-counter meds. I mean, they can have side effects too, even aspirin. So nasal steroids, some things you want to know ahead of time, that if one sprays it too often or too high dose, you can it can dry out the nasal passages a little too much where you should cut back. There can be nasal bleeding. There's always, always that chance. Um, so if, if those things happen, it's not dangerous. You just need to cut back the dose or see your physician to evaluate it, especially if you're on blood-thinning medication. So those kind of things can happen, but nothing dangerous. Now, when you start on something like a nasal steroid, you're not going to feel immediately once you use it 100% better. How long would you need to stick with something like that to really see a benefit? And Kathy, you bring up a really good point because one of the most common reasons why patients who come to me or see an allergist say, hey, the nasal steroids, hey, they didn't work. The, one of the most common reasons why they didn't work is because they didn't give it a long enough chance. So I would say probably five days of daily use to seven days, maybe the first week, they should see some you know, pretty significant benefit uh, of reducing congestion, sneezing, the runny nose, et cetera. In only it, five days or a week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to, I, I still tell people, you may not notice a benefit until four, maybe six weeks. It should progressively get better, but you're not going to notice a benefit in four to six hours. So you, it should be shorter than that. It should be, I would say you a know, couple four or six days. You yeah, should notice I, something. Yeah, I would say a couple of days would be fine. Uh, you're absolutely right. They, maybe some people look at saying, if it doesn't help within the first day, I'm going to give up. It's It's just too soon. But if someone's been on it for let's say, two weeks, and they're not getting benefit, and they're taking it daily, then we may be looking at a condition which is not going to respond to nasal steroid sprays. And Now, it's safe to use the sprays and also consider using allergy medication, whether they be antihistamines over-the-counter or even prescription ones. It's safe to use all these things together. Yeah, I, I would say that they're compatible with each other. At the point where I'm using nasal steroid sprays, which is a maintenance, I would use the term maintenance medication, I I tell patients, while you can use antihistamines in addition on a daily basis, it can also be used as needed. So if the symptoms are mostly being controlled with the intranasal spray, you can use the antihistamine pills on your worst days. And you, so you don't have to do it every day. Cause, and it's not necessary. You know, a lot of people say, I don't want to get stuck with a pill every day, but I'll use a spray because it seems like it's not going internal and I feel more comfortable. So you could, if you stabilize your treatment, take away some of those medications and see how you do, and it wouldn't necessarily affect your symptoms because you would just use it as needed. You would be okay. Yes. And another uh, common thought for 
for the public is that if I use my antihistamines every day, they're going to become weaker and weaker if efficacy. They'll lose their ability to help. I mean, people hear about these things with antibiotics. You'll become immune to them next time. With certain medications, it's true. But the verdict on antihistamines, not true? No. it's You're not going to build tolerance as far as the medication's effect. It's simply if it's not working, it means your nasal allergies need something stronger in general. But will you need to keep increasing the dose of the nasal steroid spray progressively? No. Usually you'll just use a steady dose. And I would just say to patients, well, um, if the antihistamine pills aren't working, uh, you just need to step up to something else. Now, what about switching from one to the other, from Allegra to Claritin to Zyrtec to Claritin to Allegra? Does it make a difference if you flip back and forth with your over-the-counter ones? Yeah, that's a really good question, Kathy. There are clearly some people who say, hey, I do better on one of these versus the, and when I switch to the other one, it's weaker. I, I would say they're not all the same potency. So you can dial up and down to get the same efficacy. Uh, so for instance, the generic or Claritin or its generic form, I would say it's one of the milder of those you mentioned, whereas the higher doses of Allegra, fexofenadine, or cetirizine, Zyrtec, those would be more potent. Could I, could you get the same effect if you just dialed up the dose a little bit more on the on the on the milder ones? The answer is yes, and they're they're they all work. They all can work, but certain people are probably get, find a, a better result on on different ones, and that's a little bit of a trial and error. So you can just try one. And and decide. All right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've learned a lot about allergies. We've learned why you want to get tested, how you can get tested, blood tests or skin tests, and a variety of different things that your doctor or your allergist can do to help you. You know, Dr. Lau, I appreciate you coming on the show with us today. Thank you, Kathy. It's been a, it's been a fun time. We're going to have to have you again. Dr. Matt Lau is a allergist at Kaiser Permanente. He has over 20 years of experience in the field of allergy and certainly knows his stuff, I'll tell you. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk about wilderness medicine, how to stay alive and survive if you're caught out in the elements. That's going to be Monday at 5 right here on The Body Show. See you then. <laughs>